Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, along with my good friend, Sandra Crawford Williamson. Sandra, Hello. we've got a good one today. Yes, we do. I'm so excited. It was like he wrote this book directly to my heart. So I am <laughs> so excited to speak with Luke. So back on the show is Luke Lafine and Luke... Um, you went really kind of in depth in your story on the last episode, and I highly recommend that everyone who uh, wants to hear that one kind of almost as a primer for this one, really go back and listen to it. Um, we'll have a link to it in our show notes. Uh, but Luke, kind of abbreviate your story a little bit and also kind of bridge the gap on what's gone on in your life since that first Eternal Leadership interview. Oh yeah, awesome. Well, first of all, it's great to be on on with you guys, and uh, just really love and appreciate what you guys do, and and how you're bringing resources to people that are helpful to help them move forward in, in what God's called them to do. Uh, you know, last time we we really talked about my my first book, Recla Reclaiming Your Core, and the backstory is really the same for both that book and this book. Uh, it really, I, I started as a believer in uh, my teens, about fifteen. And 10 years later, I was in Bible school, starting a pastoral ministry, which I ministered for, as a pastor for 10 years. Uh, then things started crumbling around me, and uh, a, lot of, a lot of different things, just relationally, emotionally, professionally, spiritually, just one challenge after another. And within uh, a few short years, and from 99 to uh, the early 2000s, about 2002, I had, I had lost my marriage, uh, my business. My dad had died of cancer, and uh, my life really was just in, in rubble. Mm -hmm. And out of that process, uh, the Lord started doing some amazing things. Basically, it really brought me to the point, Steve, where uh, I, just, I just said, Lord, do whatever you have to do in order to get me to where I need to be. I had, I had really tried, you know, as a pastor, as a husband, as a father, uh, as a minister, as a professional, to do everything in my ability to, you know, to build the life that I, that I felt that uh, the Lord had me to build, and I utterly failed. And at the, at the end of that, I just saw how so much of my effort really, uh, I just, I was working against myself, but I didn't know why. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know how I had got into that place after all the effort that I had put toward building something up. And from that place, uh, from that place of desperation of just saying, okay, Lord, do whatever you have to do in order to form your purpose in me, to form the image of your son in me. Like he talks about in Romans 8, 28 and 29, he causes everything to work together for good to those that love him, who are called according to his purposes, because who he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So I, I knew that was the end game. That was the, that was the ultimate, to have that transformation process, but I had no clue on how to do that. And from that place, the Lord began teaching me and, and showing me the principles that I could build my life on that were unshakable. And not only, not only the revelation, the truth, the, those principles that are applicable to everyone, uh, but also the personal journey of going through my own healing process and understanding, you know, understanding the wounding process and what it takes in order to uh, not just find healing, but to develop the, the uh, the belief system, the thoughts, and the dynamics of relationship that brings you into the place where you can have uh, 
you know, healthy relationships, healthy, a healthy perception of who you are, a healthy understanding of who God is and what the things that we go through in this life are all about. So that was the, that's the, the nutshell. And like you said, I mean, we, we covered a lot more of the specific details on the first one, but really the, the setup was the same for both my first book and this book of how do you get from the, that place where you know that you're not walking in everything that's available to you, but practically how do you move forward? And the title of the book is Go Face Yourself, A Healing Journey. One of the things that I really like about this book is that it's split into three sections. You have face your world, face your humanity, and face yourself. So let's talk about that first one, facing your world. Yeah, you know, the one of the interesting things is, especially as a believer in this world, I think uh, sometimes we, we don't understand the dynamics of how God is really using everything. You know, when he said that he will cause all things, he really meant that. And the, the first part of the book really focuses on shifting our paradigm from, uh, you know, from the trenches, so to speak, to get above the battlefield and to really see the, the ultimate purpose that God has in the specific events of our life. And we're, we're living in a fallen world. Until the Lord comes back and redeems and reclaims everything, there are going to be certain challenges that we face. There are going to be certain uh, situations that we're going to go through that are inherent to this environment that we're living in. And those things can really become obstacles if we don't see them from an eternal perspective. So uh, I know for myself, there were so many years that I really struggled with this constant battle. It's like, okay, I'm going from one struggle to this struggle and feeling like, okay, what am I doing wrong here? Why is this not working? And, you know, I, I tried to fight the spiritual battle and, and don't get me wrong. There is a spiritual enemy. You know, the Lord, the, the word's clear about that. Uh, but it became a focal point where I'm, I'm either struggling with the enemy or I'm struggling with my circumstances. And the, the battle that I was engaged in was a temporary battle. You know, I would get, gain victories, uh, but then shortly after I would find myself in those same types of situations. But the, the first part of this book is really geared towards saying, okay, let's take a step back. There are two key truths that, that we have to understand in order to process the information of what we're going through in this world. And number one is that God loves you. God mm -hmm. absolutely loves you. He's committed to you. There's nothing that in this creation that's more important to him. He even purchased you with the payment of his own son. You know, I, I, the way that I know how much something is worth is how much somebody's willing to pay for it. And if us, if we as this, as this people are worth the price of Jesus Christ, God's only son, then that's a pretty incredible value. So first of all, really understanding and, and viewing the circumstances of our life through this number, first of all, this paradigm, God loves me. And number two, that he really is committed to a process in me, that there's an outcome that he's working towards. And he has committed himself to faithfully steward that process. So when I'm going through a difficult circumstance, there are, they're, they're, and I'm holding on to those truths. Okay, first of all, this isn't because God's mad at me. It's not because I made some big mistake. It's not because the enemy is out to get me. Uh, although the, the latter, you know, some, there may be some truth to that. But the ultimate purpose is that my steps are ordered by the Lord and, and that God sees eternity. He's not, he's not worried. He's not surprised by any of the mistakes that we made. 
uh, one time, one particular moment, I was just sitting in the midst of the rubble of a, of a really bad decision that I had made. And I just thought, oh, man, I was, I was so discouraged. And I just felt, how am I ever going to get through this? And I heard that, the, that still small voice whispering inside of me saying, son, you are not even capable of making a mess so big that I can't clean it up. And it really set me free from this burden of feeling like uh, I was going to be limited to my ability to navigate through the consequences of this process that I was going through. God really took ownership of it. So the first section of the book is really dedicated to giving specific examples of that, looking at it from, uh, you know, the different things that what, what not only what are the sources of these things that are causing conflict or trials or tribulation or pain in our life, but what's, what's the eternal purpose? What is it that I can gain from these processes that I'm going through? And how does that look from an eternal perspective? Now, you opened the book with the story of your son falling off a slide and yeah. getting hurt. And you, and you reference that consistently throughout the book to, to illustrate various points. So why don't you just tell that story and um, explain some of the lessons that you learned through that, through that instant, incident. Yeah. So uh, actually, I was I was pastoring at the time and uh, decided to have our church service out in the out in a park, beautiful area, camp campground, and out up in the northern Wisconsin uh, area, just everything green, lush. And, you know, man, we got to get out of this building and get into get into creation, right? So we're out there and, and uh, just enjoying ourselves and fellowship. And uh, uh, my 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 kids and other kids in the church had went out with uh, with my uh, my dad to play in the playground. And then I, you know, it's like you kind of, you hear things, all these different sounds, but then it was just like all of a sudden there was this, just a strange vibe coming from the playground. And I noticed that my, uh, my, my dad my, was carrying my son uh, toward me and come to find out he had been playing on the slide. He got all the way up to the top and ended up falling head first off the top of the slide into the you know into the ground and as uh as he handed my son to me he let out this this scream that just you know i, I knew something was wrong something was dreadfully wrong and mm -hmm. because he was favoring his neck and you know obviously fell from this you know probably about eight feet up straight onto his head uh i feared feared the worst you know that he had broken his neck so i, I tried to stabilize him as much as i could and we got to the hospital and as I'm holding him on the gurney, we've got the sandbags and, you know, the doctors and the nurses and the emergency room staff, they're, they're bustling around. And I'm holding my son on this gurney. And he looks at me, Steve, with these eyes like, why won't you pick me up? Why won't you just lift me up? And I could just see the pain and the confusion, the fear. I mean, this, this, he's uh, just filled with pain. You know, the pattern in, of his life, what he expected is that when he falls, when he gets hurt, when he stumbles, that his dad is going to be there to pick him up. His dad is going to be there to scoop him up and to pray for him and to, to take care of whatever injury that it was that he sustained in this, in this process. And then at the right time, you know, let him, let him go run, go back to playing or whatever it was. But this time, when the pain was more severe than any other thing that he had gone through, this time, his dad's not picking him up. This time, his dad's not holding him. 
This time his dad is holding him away from him, pressed onto this, this table. And there was this, this look that he gave me like, I'm confused. I don't know. I, I don't understand what's going on. For me, it all made perfect sense. You know, hey, I mean, it was possible neck injury. You can't move. I mean, just the fact that he was okay up to this point was, was a miracle. But to let him move around and shuffle around, uh, it, it would just cause more pain. But for the first time in my life, the, the Lord just gave me a glimpse that that was just like me on the table, on the gurney in my life. How the times when I had fallen, the times when I had had been in the most pain, I felt like God was keeping me at an arm's distance. But it was it was a profound encounter because I, I not only did I see things from the child's perspective, but I, for the first time, probably saw from the father's perspective, what was my motive in holding my son down? What was my motive in not picking my son up and holding him in my arms and comforting? What, were, what was going on inside of my heart? Because truth be told, I, I'm sure I wanted him in my arms much more than he even wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, and not as a father, I didn't want nothing more than to be able to hold him and embrace him, to, to, to let him know, hey, everything's going to be okay. And as I reflected on that moment from that day on, even, even to this day, how there are times when I feel like God is keeping me at an arm's distance. I feel like he's not just pulling me out of the difficult circumstance that I'm in, but he's allowing me to stay in that. And, and in some cases, I, I feel he's intentionally putting these barriers around me that doesn't even give me the freedom to get up and run away if I want to. Mm-hmm. But understanding that the reason that I kept him there on that table is the same reason that my father keeps me on the table is that there's a process that I need to go through. There's something more important that in my staying in that position than there would be in him comforting me in that moment, that the end result is going to be much better than the temporary comfort that I feel like I need right now the outcome of staying in and trusting him in this uncomfortable places uh, is much more valuable from an eternal perspective. And, and uh, that really, that was one of the the things that the Lord used to birth uh, this book. You know, it's that, uh, that understanding, understanding not only the father's heart in bringing us through the process, but what are some of the practical aspects? What are some of the practical steps in that process? And, uh, you know, I guess I have compassion on the boy on the gurney. I want to I want to give some encouragement to, hey, keep holding on. Keep holding on. Your father loves you. You, you can trust him in this. And, and here are some specific things that you can actually work together with him in this process. So, I mean, I, I have a, a saying that a lot of people that I work with that, um, you know, I don't, I don't believe you can shorten the process of what the Lord wants to bring you through. But I do believe we can lengthen it. You know, and uh, by some of our own efforts, by some of our, you know, we can we can slow the process down. But my goal in this book, one of the one of the passions that I have is just to help people cooperate with the process, so you can shorten it up to as as short as possible, and accomplish everything that the Lord wants to accomplish through that process to get you into the fullness of what He has for you to be. Yeah, when you when you 
put that story in there, I was just reminded not only of my own voice going through various kinds of scrapes and doctor stuff, getting shots, but also something that's a pretty regular occurrence for me is taking my dog out for a walk. We live in Colorado, Colorado Springs area, which is a high desert. And so there are some cacti around where we go walk and go run. And my dog will go running through the fields and kick up a rabbit or a jackrabbit and go chase it. She comes back all happy. And there are times where she will step on a cactus and then mm. she'll be limping. We'll take her home. And no matter how many times she pulls her paw away as I'm trying to pull out those cactus tines and it, it, and God's consistently reminded me, yeah, that's you. Sometimes <laughs> you stepped in something you shouldn't have stepped in and I'm trying to get some stuff cleaned out of you and you're acting just like this dog. Oh yeah, I get it sometimes. But but in that first section where you're talking about facing your world, you list out nine different benefits mm -hmm. to trials. Yeah. Not not just the purpose, but the benefit. If all things work for our good, for those that love him and are called according to his purpose, there's a benefit for the trial, yeah. regardless of the source. And exactly. and um, so go through a couple of those. Well, I think. One of, the, one of the things that was a real encouragement to me through the process to, that gave me the strength to partner with the Lord uh, as opposed to fighting against him like I had so often found myself doing uh, is, is really that he's conforming us into the image of his son. I mean, really deep down, I think every believer that's on fire, every believer that wants to make an impact in this world for the kingdom of God has the same passion, the same drive, is I want to see the fullness of God's purpose accomplished in me. I, I pray this, this regularly, Steve. I say, Lord, whatever it takes, I want to complete everything that you created me to do. Everything that you had in mind when you formed and fashioned me in my mother's womb, I want to see that accomplished. I want to, I want to be able to stand before him one day and hear him say, son, you did a good job. Son, you fulfilled what it was that I created you to do. So that, that cry in my heart uh, can only be fully realized as I cooperate with the process. So one, one, of the, one of the benefits that we receive from the hardships and the trials is that um, the Lord is using those to bring about that desired end. So let me back up just a little bit. So if I'm trusting the Father's heart toward me, and I'm trusting that he's leading and guiding my steps into circumstances and situations that will advance his purposes and plans in me. Then I can be sure that whatever it is that I'm going through is going to have that benefit. So let's say that, uh, you know, let, let me give you a specific example. In my, in my marriage to Helen, my wife, uh, there are times when our relationship will face a challenge. So in the past, I would look at, hey, Lord, you know, change my wife, kind of help her to get with the program. You know, it's like mm -hmm. she's not she's mm -hmm. not working with things. But as I began to trust the Lord with the process, I started saying, okay, Lord, use this circumstance to change me. Help me to understand why this circumstance is so important to the work that you're accomplishing in me, the eternal work that you're accomplishing in me. So now what I've done is I've taken my eyes off of the process and I've put them on the benefit. 
it's it's amazing. Even even in the moment, the transformation that takes place in the dynamics of that situation, and it doesn't mean that it's not difficult for my flesh, but when I understand that, wait a minute, the Lord is orchestrating my steps. He's I can trust Him with this situation, and I can keep my eyes on this benefit that He's actually using this to help me to enter into a new level of freedom, or to uh, a, a greater place of agreement with who He's created me to be. You know, um, one of the things yeah. I love in the book is you talk about how we, you know, have a hurt. And so that kind of gives us baggage, right? What I call baggage. And, you know, I like to say some of us have a little uh, tote bag and then others of us have a couple bellmen behind us pushing all of our baggage, right? So, um, you know, we have this baggage from some hurt in our past and that leads us to sort of keep repeating a pattern. You know, the most common one, I think, for, for young women, at least it was for me, is to keep dating the same type of guy that's really bad for us, right? I needed to feel useful and I needed to feel um, good about myself. So I always dated fixer-uppers, which is a really nice term for, for what they really were at the time. Um, and that made me feel good about myself, right? They were more messed up than I was. Um, they needed me. I could be sort of the, the control person of the relationship but it was really just my weakness. Um, and so, you know, it really took me unpacking some stuff and, and getting really intimate with the Lord to be completely comfortable in my skin. And, and then I went through a phase where I said, you know what, I'm just not going to date at all. Um, and then lo and behold, when I got completely comfortable being alone, that's when God put my husband in my path. Um, and so you talk about that, that repeating of patterns and, and how that's because of the hurt. And, you know, if you are talking to someone out there who's right smack dab in the middle of a pattern, you know, Luke, and they're like, either they're dating the wrong person or they're taking the wrong jobs or it's a financial loop that they're in and they're repeating the same bad stuff. Um, you know, what would you say to them? What would you say to just sort of give them some hope? Yeah. No, and, and uh, that that scenario uh, is something that I, that I run into a lot, you know what I mean? The, the experience was first of all in myself, but the, the, one of the first things is reframing the, uh, our understanding of that, con that, that, that situation. So, you know, we, we get in these repetitive cycles and a lot of times we think it's the other people and we ask questions like, why does this always happen to me? And, and but it's a rhetorical question, but really, when we start to understand that instead of it just being the outcome of a flaw, maybe the Lord is actually orchestrating the circumstance in order to bring about an awareness in us. And one of the, one of the other benefits of going through these is it brings us through a refining process. So these different situations that we get ourselves into or that are orchestrated or, or just a part of living in the world, they start to show us the, the beliefs, the thoughts, the, the patterns that we have in ourselves. So one of the first things that I do when I'm, when I'm working with people, and it's one of the first things in the book that I, that I talk about, is really saying, okay, so if we look at these circumstances just a little bit differently and say, may, let's just first assume for a moment that the Lord is actually involved in bringing us to this point of conflict. 
And then we ask the question, okay, what is it about this situation that the Lord is using to advance something that he wants to do in me? And by starting at that point, um, you know, a lot of times we, we, we really feel like we're uh, the victim of a cosmic joke or we're the victim of the enemy or, or people in our lives. But it starts to really transform that perspective from, hey, I'm not just the, the victim of my circumstances or other people or whatever, but I'm actually an active participant in this process that the Lord is bringing me through. That, that first step sets the stage to be able to identify with those underlying uh, issues, the wounds of the past or the belief systems or the thought patterns that contributed to that repetitive or that destructive pattern or lifestyle. So let's make this practical. Walk us through the whole process of identifying and then healing. Yeah, so the, the way that, um, and I, I really spent a lot of time just saying, you know, how can you know, how can I put this information out in a way that brings people on a journey? And that's why I call it a healing journey is it really is a process. There's a process of, uh, first of all, reshaping your paradigms, understanding, okay, what's the big picture of what's going on from an eternal perspective. And then understanding the second section of the book really talks about understanding how your soul, uh, your mind, your will, and your emotions are wired to interact with the world around you and with the pain and with the with the circumstances. We we're spiritual beings that live in a physical body, but our physical connection with this world can be a source of a lot of, and I would say the majority of of our problems. And our our soul will start to believe those things. It'll start to cooperate with those thought patterns or those beliefs. So the understanding how, how you respond, how your body responds, how your flesh would respond to, you know, somebody stabbing you in the back or somebody stealing from you or, or somebody abusing you or uh, violating you in some way. But so, Luke, but Luke, aren't, we're not supposed to dwell on the past. We're not supposed to, we're new creations. We're yeah. supposed to focus exclusively on the future. Mm -hmm. And I asked the Lord the same question at one point. I had heard some people that were, uh, I was going to the Lord, and, and as I was going through my process, I really, you know, I was at that point of complete surrender, saying, Lord, okay, I'm done with my efforts. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. But you do whatever you have to do. One of the first things that he had me do is to stop trying to do anything and just to be still in his presence, just to learn how to come to him and to be with him in, in fellowship. Not, not praying, reading, singing, giving, nothing. Just come, sit, be in my presence. The next thing he started to do is he started, to, he asked me to invite him into my pain. So there were different mm. things that I was struggling with, whether it was anger, unforgiveness, rage. I mean, there were times that uh, if certain people said or did certain things, I mean, I'm just, I'm ready to, I'm ready to blow up and yelling, swearing, whatever, punching walls. And then, you know, then I feel guilty. Then I feel bad. I'm like, oh, man, you know, gosh, I'm supposed to be a Christian. I'm supposed to be nice. I'm supposed to be patient. Uh, all these things I'm supposed to be that I'm not. So I was going through this, this cycle. And then the Lord said, I want you to invite me into that. And at first, I'm like, that just doesn't sound right. You know, I mean, like, this is really ugly. This is really disgusting behavior. And the way that I'm, the way that I'm treating people is just a fraction of what I was really feeling. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there was a lot more beneath the surface than I was actually even letting. And I'm like, Lord, 
I don't know. I don't know about that. And what's beneath the surface ends up getting internalized and it comes out in terms of headaches or stomach Mm -hmm. aches or whatever. Disease. Yeah. Yeah. So the Lord asked me to invite him into those very pains, those places of pain and ugliness. So I, I, I didn't feel comfortable, but I started doing that. And as I'm doing that, one of the first things that happened is that he started reminding me of things that had happened in my past. And I was, you know, there were certain, you know, religious people, Christian people, well-meaning pastors and believers that that said the exact same thing that you said, that, hey, wait a minute, we're new creations, you're the oldest done away with, all things have become new. So I asked the Lord about it. I'm like, Lord, what's, what's the deal? You, you said that. And, and uh, he just asked me a simple question. He said, is it in your past? Because the reality is, is that my behavior was happening today. The link to what was happening was in the past. The key was in the past. But what was going on in my life was something that was happening in real time. It was something that I was dealing with. It wasn't in my past. So what the Lord started doing is he would bring me through a process of understanding where those, where those hurts came from, where those belief systems came. Because that's the, that's the other part, and I deal with that in, more in the, the third section, is, okay, now that, now that you're showing me uh, you know, how my soul is reacting, if I, if I came up and, and I stabbed you, let's just say I, I just took a knife and I stabbed you in the back. And, you know, then I felt really bad about it. See, I'm like, man, you know, gosh, I, I never should have done that. It was my bad. I, it was all me. It's not your fault. Would you please forgive me? In that moment, you could actually forgive me. You could say, Luke, you know what? You don't deserve it, but I, I'm going to forgive you anyway. I'm going to forgive you. No consequence. I'm not calling the cops. I'm not doing anything. You're completely free to go. And guess what? I could leave, and I'll be totally free. But there's a problem. You still have a knife in your back. And... What, what, we've, what we've told people as a part of the church is that, hey, you need to forgive and forget. It's in the past. It's, you know, you're a new creature. But that ignores the reality that there was a, an actual event that took place. And now you need to be able to get healed. First of all, you need the knife out of your back. Then you need to go through a healing process, maybe rehabilitation. Or maybe, maybe I caused uh, permanent damage to your body, and you're going to need to learn what life looks like forward. Uh, after that, even though I've been forgiven the whole time, you still have a process that you need to go through. And that's one of the things that I, uh, I really felt important. And I spent a lot of more time on that in the, uh, the third section is what does it, what does the wound look like? Uh, because we can't see it. Sometimes we think it's easy to dismiss, but uh, there's a process that, that we need to go through just like, you know, our physical bodies represent our spiritual man, but that wounding process is also reflected. You know, I, what you said, I want to go back to that because, I, I mean, I really just had like a two by four upside the head moment. So we are a spiritual being living in a physical body. That spiritual being is connected with the Lord, connected with God. Like that's our, that's our spiritual connection. But if bad things keep happening to that physical body over and over and over, you know, I think about. Um, someone who's in an abusive relationship or um, something awful is happening happening to them keeps happening over and over. In the beginning, the spirit wants to resist it and keep that connection with God. But over time, if that spirit is living in a physical body that's being injured and mistreated and abused over and over, eventually 
that spiritual being is going to begin to believe it, believe that, hey, this stuff keeps happening to me, so this must be what I deserve. Is that a good way to, to say it back, Luke? Yeah, and you know, you hit such a, an important key, and that is what do you believe about this situation? And yeah. what are the conclusions that you came up with as a result of that? So I remember uh, I was in my later 20s and just kept running into the same types of problems relationally uh, with people where I just couldn't seem to connect on that deeper level, you know, where you know that we're called to that koinonia, that deeper fellowship with each other. But I just kept running into these roadblocks. It was causing problems in my marriage and my relationship with my kids, my family, friends, other believers. And this is, I was actually pastoring at the time. So you, you might see how that could be a problem. And then the Lord started changing my circumstances. And I won't go into the, the whole uh, depth of the circumstance, but over about a month and a half, he really had me in this tight place. And I, I do talk in detail about this in the book, but at the end result of that, I was just, I was completely undone as another one of those points of surrender. And then the Lord showed me something that there was a point when I was 12 years old where I had made an internal vow never to trust anybody again. And through these these circumstances, the Lord brought this uh, these these challenges where that the emotional intensity that I was in exposed this critical moment. Now I don't I don't actually remember that moment that I said that, but somebody that didn't know me came up and said, "Wow, I just saw something. I saw a picture of you as twelve years old underneath the porch in front of a, a house on a lake overlooking a lake." That uh, And you said, I'm never going to trust anyone again. So I don't remember that specific time. But what he didn't know, but I did know, is that was one of the places that I would go when I was a kid. And going through the, the challenges of, of my childhood, that was one of the places that I would go and I would hide and I would whether cry or, or, you know, just vent my anger, just trying to avoid the, the, the craziness that was going on. That guy never knew where I, wow. I grew up or where my house was. But the Lord used that to show me that, hey, there was a point in your in your past where you made this conclusion. And that one conclusion, that vow that you made as a 12-year-old boy is now affecting your ability to connect with people as an adult. So that, that, uh, that scenario was really something that the Lord used to open my eyes to the connection with the past. And, and I, would, I would agree that we are not called to say, okay, I've got some problems. I need to start going through uh, my past with a fine tooth comb and try to figure out what everything meant and everything that happened. I, uh, I think that's uh, that's a waste of time. And as one wise person said, if you go digging around in the past, you just get dirty. But uh, the the thing is, is that if if that event, if the Lord is bringing that event or using your current circumstances in order to connect you with a thought pattern or a belief system, uh, a lot of times, and at least for me, it's been almost uh, 100% that the things that I was struggling with in my belief system today were connected with events or circumstances in my past that I either didn't uh, ha- have the, the capacity or the framework to process that information correctly. Yeah, that's that's really incredible. I love that God gave someone else a vision about your past that you didn't even remember, but you knew it was correct because of the theme you know it's it's so true you know things happen I mean, we, we live in a broken fallen disastrous crumbling world and our spiritual beings are just trying to you know 
stay connected to God when like all the stuff's falling apart around us. Um, and, you know, I think we've touched on something today that if the listeners out there, if you're, you know, if you're trying to unravel some stuff that happened in your past, or if you're in the middle of something now, you know, remember what Luke said earlier, our worth is not judged by what's happening to our physical being. Uh, our worth is judged the fact that God paid the ultimate price by sacrificing his son for us. And he loves us completely and unconditionally. And, um, you know, as Luke said, there's nothing we can mess up that God can't unravel. And so if you're in a, that situation where you think, well, I just deserve this, you know, this keeps happening over and over. So this just must be my destiny or what I deserve, or, you know, this is my punishment from some past life, some mm-hmm. other bogus like that. I mean, please just dump that immediately and, and help your spiritual being get, you know, reconnected to the is his creature, his creation. You know, Ephesians 2.10 tells us very clearly where each individual works of art that the master craftsman has created for his pleasure. And so if that's the case, why would he throw us down into a cesspool to just be, you know, to deserve the worst? You know, I like what Luke says. We have to re-sort of look at it from a different perspective, you know, that this stuff isn't happening to me over and over because I deserve it. Um, But if we can look at it differently and try to reframe it, um, you know, what is our value and reconnect our spiritual being? I mean, I don't know, see what you think, but that's, that's pretty profound to me, just the baggage I'm carrying around right now. Oh, absolutely. Um, as, as Luke knows, I've been on a, on a very serious inner healing journey, especially in the last year. Um, I have an infrared sauna. I'm, I'm a, I've been getting really into the whole biohacking movement. I have an infrared sauna down here that we got on Craigslist for like crazy cheap. And I'll use my time in there while I'm just, I'll usually go in there about the end of the day and I'll just use it to kind of decompress and I'll either do one of three things in there. I'll either pray, I'll read, or I'll just sit there and just meditate, just quietly, just be still as Luke said earlier in the interview. And just last week while I was in there, I I was reminded of an incident when I was probably in high school. I was probably a junior in high school and a neighbor had trapped our cat. It was an indoor outdoor cat had trapped our cat and taken her to the humane society. Mm -hmm. And this is just after we had had given him a big surgery because of an accident. And so our my parents didn't have the money to pull him out. And the neighbor basically said, if you get, if you bring him out of the humane society, and he trespasses on my property, I'll put him right back in there. And these feelings of just anger and just uh, uh, injustice really started to kind of well up inside of me. And God was like, hey, that's something you really haven't really truly deeply forgiven. And so I went through this process of really kind of just a process kind of that, that I learned from Dr. Bruce Wilkinson about just visualizing, just releasing him from, from the jail that I had kept him in, in my mind. And um, yeah, it's, it's something that after I was done, I was like, wow, all right. And I've been doing that consistently as things have come up where I remember this and I remember that and I remember that. Um, yeah. You know, the, the I, I do talk a lot about forgiveness in, uh, in the third section as well. There's, 
you know, and the thing, I think as believers, we've done a pretty good job in talking about the need to forgive. But sometimes if we don't take that extra step of really uh, unraveling the, the different wounding process, you know, and the belief systems that were associated with it. So there's, there's like all these different layers that as we walk through that, uh, you know, not only are we forgiving people, but we're also getting, we're addressing the wound. We're getting healed of whatever that was. So that caused a wound in you, the way that he treated you. But there was also a belief system. There was something that even though you've forgiven him, it's like, okay, what was that wound? You know, what was that that uh, beneath that surface that needs to be touched. And, and one of the things I, uh, I made a decision early on in this project to be very vulnerable, to be very transparent. And mm -hmm. I talk a lot about my own personal failures and, and different things that uh, not only I, that I've done or that, but also that have happened to me. Uh, and I've also shared stories about and accounts of other people that I've worked with. They've you know, changed their names and, and some of the circumstances, but the core message of what these people have gone through, I kept intact. Because there are real issues that people are dealing with. People have been sexually abused. They've been violated. They've gone through divorces. They've been abandoned. They've been rejected. These are deep, uh, deep-rooted pains. You're not going to walk away from this uh, reading this book being impressed with me. You'll be like, "Oh man!" If anything, you'll be saying like, "Okay, if God can use this guy, then then I, I'm, he could he could use me too." Uh, <laughs> but the but the the thing is, is that God is not intimidated he doesn't ask you to shy away from the the ugliness of your pain he rolled up his sleeves he came down here and he got he got neck deep in our pain in our hurt in our suffering and he absolutely will walk with you through that process and you don't have to ignore anything that you feel you don't have to shy away from the ugliness of anger or hatred or bitterness or or whatever whatever it is but as you invite him into that process he will bring you through uh, a restorative process and that's really that's really the uh, you know what this book is about it's just connecting people with even if it can help out a little bit to get rid of one obstacle that you're dealing with or take you bring you one step closer into fulfilling the amazing destiny that God has for you then it's worth it anything that I've ever gone through or had to go through It'd be worth it if just, even if it helps a little bit. And uh, those are the things that I've used to, to compel me through the, through the process of, of writing it. Luke Lafine, the book is Go Face Yourself. I highly recommend it because at the end, there are, there's a worksheet that you can fill out that takes you through all the steps whether it be uh, describing the current events, circumstances, or relational dynamics causing emotional pain, frustration, fear, anger, anxiety. Uh, what do you believe about yourself? What vows, conclusions, judgments did you make? State the nature of the detailed wound. What did you believe about yourself? What conclusions did you make about others? Did you make any vows, promises, or decisions as a result of this event? It's a good word. It's a good resource and has been recommended by a mutual friend of ours, Barbara Kohler, who's a, yeah. who's a, who's a therapist out in your neck of the woods. You introduced me to her yeah. and we, we've had a number of long conversations and, uh, yeah, I had, another, I had another famous guy that we both know. All three of yeah. us know, actually, uh, yeah. he actually endorsed the book. I sent it to John Ramstead, uh, yeah. ahead of time. And, uh, uh, he's actually in the book. He wrote an endorsement for it. That's awesome. So Luke, thank you for your time. Absolutely. 
And uh, we'll be sure to have a link for people to buy this book in the show notes and in the summary, the description of this MP3. Woohoo! Awesome. Thanks uh, so much, Luke. Absolutely. My pleasure. <laughs>